five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA. We're going to be talking about marketing and the board of directors. But first, I want to get over to David Rosendahl, and he's going to explain the big picture PQR, direct mail done right. Now, I have to admit, I have never heard of the term PQR, um, but Trout and Reese make the argument that your brain only has so many slots in it. No. Your brain might have a lot of slots. It only has enough room in a slot for one or two items. So if I ask you who was the first man to fly solo across the Atlantic Ocean, if you're old enough, you'd remember it was Charles Lindbergh. If I asked you who was the first woman to fly solo across the Atlantic Ocean, you'd say Amelia Earhart, if you're old enough. Uh, if I asked you who the second man or the second woman were, you wouldn't know. <laughs> I don't know. I looked it up. You know, I thought I'd remember, but I couldn't because your brain has those slots. And so what Trout and Reese recommend in Marketing Warfare is that if you are number three or number four or not even in the number ranking in a category, perhaps you should uh, come up with a new buzzword, a new term that you can lead the field with. So I guess PQR is that. Uh, uh, Russ Loesch yesterday suggested that maybe it was personal QR like, like Pearl personal URL um, and I think that would be an excellent thing that to use uh, we have developed that the market builder and I have written a patent on that technology and um, so it is available to to tag basically every uh, one of your mailing pieces with a unique QR code that takes you to a unique landing page where your lead generation identity and and information is all filled in if it's not too creepy. Um, I also gave some thoughts on this yesterday on attribution. And if you followed me for any length of time, you know that I talk about this a lot. So, uh, but David, I consider a friend and he got me uh, from 5,000 to almost, almost 14,000 now um, direct connections on LinkedIn. And so during the pandemic, I spent a lot of time on the on the uh, COVID-19 print group. So I commend him for this. And uh, at the end, maybe I'll put the link to the entire uh, talk because uh, in this one, he doesn't really talk about PQR at all, as far as I can tell, but let's play it anyway. Clients right now. If that direct mail is for lead gen, then most direct mail is done the old way where you have a static corporate website and maybe you have a phone number, just like you see here on the screen. This illustration represents what we're all accustomed to. And I want you to think for a moment about a client that you're doing this kind of mail for right now. With that client in mind, think about this. There are some significant problems with that direct mail that cause you to leave significant opportunity on the table. There's at least three issues. I want to show you what those are. And there are more issues, but these are three of the most prominent. The biggest issue is that you don't know what happens after this direct mail gets to its destination. You as the printer, you as the direct mailer. What I mean by that is you have no idea how many people go to, in this fictitious example, mortgagecompany.com, right? None of that data gets back to you from your client. Second, none of you know how many people go to Google and type in the name of the mortgage company and then from the Google search results, click through to the website. Now, if They're you're like, Dave, what the heck are you phone. talking about here? Maybe you've never watched other people use the internet, but a lot of people, even if they have a domain in front of them, go to Google, type in that domain, and instead of typing it directly in their browser, they go to the Google search listing and then click through to go to that website. It happens all the time. Now, if you're lucky, you might know how many people call the phone number if they're using 
doing some sort of call tracking. Maybe your client shares that with you. But overall, there's a major problem here. The direct mail that you're printing that's supposed to generate results, whether that be visits, leads, sales, you have no idea if that's happening. Basically, if you agree here, if your virtual head is nodding, you're walking blindly and you're at significant risk. And to be honest, your client is walking blindly too. There's really no clear-cut way to prove the value of the direct mail. Now, the thing that makes me angry, and I'm going to try to keep calm here because I get fired up about this, is that as I work with mailers of all shapes and sizes and all sorts of verticals, what makes me angry is that everyone else is getting credit for the activity generated by the direct mail. Everyone else is taking that attribution, that credit for themselves. If you're not familiar with the term attribution, in this context, I simply mean that the web team, the digital team, everyone else in the marketing organization is saying, hey, you know that web activity? That's because of us. But they're wrong. It's because of the direct mail. With old direct mail, when people go to the website, the web team says, yay, web team, we generated that result. Or when people go to Google and then they type in mortgagecompany.com, the PPC, the pay-per-click team, the digital ads team is saying, yeah, go digital team. That's because of our great PPC ad. Or when someone calls the phone number, God knows who takes credit for that. Maybe AT&T says, hey, that's us. But you get the point, right? It's crazy. Everyone else is taking attribution for that direct mail. Okay, so we'll put the full episode. Maybe he'll get to PQR, which I've never heard of until yesterday, on their uh, infogram that they posted, and I talked about it at length. Um, I don't know why. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it's about. I'm going to find out. I'm going to get to the bottom of this, David. <laughs> Streaming TV rises to record 38%. Why was that interesting to me? Because that's what I do. I don't watch broadcast TV anymore at all. And uh, the style consultant got me uh, that commercial for YouTube, and it is great. And I, you know, I I go there in non for non controversial stuff. Uh, my my uh, my channels don't get tagged for much, except if they spearfish fishing uh, and clean the fish too it gets too bloody they might get in trouble <laughs> but i watch a lot of sailing channels in exotic parodi paradisical locations <laughs> so anyway streaming tv which is what i watch goes to 38 percent. okay so here's streaming tv the purple here's uh broadcast tv 20 percent. here's cable 30 percent, and here's other whatever that is comes through your head directly into your brain i don't know broadcast cable i don't know what that is maybe you're i don't know i i don't know what that could be but anyway whatever it is uh maybe they didn't know what it was uh of that it looks like um other got the got 5.1 youtube got 8.8 .8, so that's the number one channel and that's what i watch mostly so uh, what this goes on to say is that uh, this is stats for people two persons old and up. Two, I mean, two years old and up. Um, and uh, June grew thirty, or grew six percent, which I think is probably it'll probably go up and down. Um, the two biggest platforms grabbed eight point eight. Yeah, we already covered that. Okay, and. Um, both broadcast and cable got a boost in June from NBA postseason playoffs. So that's not going to happen in July. So maybe it'll even go farther in the direction of streaming. We'll see. No one really surveyed me. I wanted to take a little time with this one. It's a seven-minute article by Mark by Mike Shiner. And um, it was interesting. Uh, boards must be engaged. I think uh, 
I think um, Ann Campbell uh, put this or liked this this one. I think that's where I found it, and that's not <laughs> quite right. I always have trouble with her with her name, but I, I know it's close to that. <laughs> and I'll tag her in the article. Boards must be engaged in their marketing company's marketing efforts, and that was an interesting take. Because my experience, which I'll get to in a little bit, is that boards, oh, forget about boards, uh, the CFO and the CEO rarely care at all about marketing. They mostly, you know, unless the CEO is the founder or something, they're mostly finance people. The board is almost exclusively finance people. And they treat marketing as a commodity. They believe that you know, if marketing doesn't seem to be working, you switch out the marketing team and get new marketing, you know, get a new agency. Uh, it's, it's a really commoditized view of what marketing does. And uh, Mike provides a really great counterexample of that in citing the damage that marketing can do. Now, I would like to contend that marketing can also do a lot of positive. <laughs> and it's worthwhile to get them in the conversation because part of the conversation might be that they're going to take a new direction which you probably told them to because you fired the old team and without some careful thought that direction can be disastrous can be much more problematic than what they've been doing which is probably just going along with what had worked in the past uh, and the, the example I'd like to cite is J.C. Penney. When they hired Johnson, I think his name was, from Apple, and he came in without really, really asking anybody what he should be doing. And he decided that, uh, like Bud Light, they should be more about diversity and expand their market. Their traditional market was was moms with, uh, you know, a husband and kids. And they could go shopping for a wash machine and also uh, work clothes for dad and school clothes for the kids. Um, and that was kind of the market. And J.C. Penney decided to hire uh, Ellen DeGeneres. And I'm not faulting them for their change in direction. What I'm, what I'm faulting them for is not looking at the numbers because I'm more of a numbers marketing guy. You know, the number of of gay couples in America or the percentage of the population that that identifies as gay you know very charitably is maybe five percent estimates run um, maybe you know be super ch charitable I, I don't think this is the case but let's say ten percent um, whereas the families is more like 50 or 60 percent or something where there's some combination like that it could be a single mom with kids also a single dad with kids could be a lot of combinations but Adults and kids, that's probably higher than 60%. Uh, and so they turned their backs basically on those. And if we then looked at the, the gay population and said, well, what about the married gay people with children? You know, it, it's a subset, some subset. I don't know, you could estimate 1% of the population, which would be like 10% of the 10%. It's probably way less than that. And so they ran ads with that clearly in the picture and uh jc penny lost seven billion in sales i, I don't know 
is JCPenney even around anymore? I guess, I think so. But anyway, it was disastrous. And uh, in the postmortem, they said Johnson just never, never, never asked anybody about anything. <laughs> he just did what he wanted to do. And when there was a pushback, there was a, it was double down. And uh, you know, the first week of the Bud Light episode, uh, Rolling Stone ran a, a ran an article saying that boycotts never work. Well, boycott is one thing, but when your when your main customer base says, hmm, "I've had enough of this," uh, it's not really a boycott. It's, it's it's just a reason, and a reason is more powerful than a boycott, right? Boycotts fade out, um, and so um, so Mike is arguing that they should have taken the customers and shareholders into account, but I would argue that I mean when you when you heard the direction of uh, of I'm trying to remember her name. I think it was Melissa. The, the new VP of marketing for, or, uh, or I think it was VP of marketing for Bud Light, she said, you know, we've got a frat boy audience and we want to change that. And in defense of her, which I always try to do, in defense of her, Bud Light's stock price in 2017 was 128 or something. When she came on board, it was, it was 50 or something and it went up to 60 68 right at the time they ran this uh inclusive idea with uh Mulvaney and so for all we know she boosted the stock price some some 30% right now it's down about 12% i mean it went down more than that it's come back a bit I tried to find sales results, but I couldn't. So here's the stock. See, when she came on board, which was like February, it was way down here. Okay, so that's maybe that's maybe 60. Went up to 68. Went down to 50 something or other. Now it's at at 56 or 57 or something. I can't read those. I could read those before on the chart, but now I can't. But anyway, so you know, she was taking the initiative. She was probably hired to take. She said she was, and everybody got mad at her. <laughs> And I think she's been let go now. She had a leave of absence. I don't know what. Um, I'm sure there are a lot of companies that would appreciate the direction she took. And Bud was was losing market share steadily. The air was going out of the bubble. And uh, I'm not a Bud Light fan. I've never been an Anheuser-Busch fan. I hate the St. Louis Cardinals above all baseball teams because they beat my Brewers in the one shot we had to win the World Series. And they did it with that tricky little field and those and those quicky little spider-like players <laughs> where they could pop balls through the infield. It wasn't baseball. It never was baseball. and But they played it to their benefit. Okay, We had the sluggers because we had slow grass field. <laughs> and the sluggers didn't come through. They almost came through. I think we went to game seven, but. One or two more slugs, and we would have had it. Anyway, so I've never liked another Bush. <laughs> uh, so risking the loss of your strongest customer base should not be taken lightly. And it might not have been initially vetted, but it, the reaction was probably vetted. Okay? Um, you know, it's hard to say. Would the board have fixed it? I doubt it. You know, and it wasn't really... It wasn't really a strategy. It was a t the strategy was, you know, to get a bigger audience. And Mulvaney had 10 million followers on TikTok or, or something. 
And they only, as far as I know, I don't know if she actually made any money with it. Uh, Bud sent her a couple of cans. And she, the rest is history. <laughs> you know, it, it, how that would have made it to the board of directors, I don't know. But especially, I doubt that the board of directors even wanted to hear how the tactics were going to work out. I don't think that would have ever been up at the board level. Never. Not in my experience. In my experience, if you can get to the CEO and just have lunch and tell them what you're thinking for the next six months, that's a win. But I wanted to say, if your board lacks marketing insight, okay, and you want some more, uh, I'd be happy to entertain that concept. Uh, I've consistently multiplied valuations. And that's the joke about this whole thing, is marketing can multiply valuations. If you keep some caution in mind and you test ahead of time, which they could have done, but they, I don't think they did, right? If we had some concept of scientific marketing and applied that consistently through time, it's almost inevitable that we can't figure out what gives us the most positive, largest market. That's the magic of direct marketing. And not only don't I see it in the boardroom, I don't see it in the marketing department. You know, they want to make a splash. And they did. They certainly did at Bud Light. They certainly did at JCPenney. You know, make a splash. And now Johnson is, you know, teaching marketing classes. <laughs> That's the way marketing is. So if you want a marketer who speaks CFO and board of directors and can evaluate your marketing direction in light of your shareholders and in light of your growth and in light of your increased valuation, give me a call. Be happy to talk with you. It would be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, the, the board of directors doesn't even meet on site, mostly. <laughs> They go off to someplace, remote location, so the marketing people don't even know where they went. Okay, so, uh, and you want to get more diversity. That's, but diversity of thought. Let's get some diversity of thought. Let's talk about the heuristic approach of direct marketing and have lots of case studies. And uh, if you want to go public or something like that, insert marketing into the board. Okay, it might take some major initiative. Educate and inform the board, just like you talk about financials and operations. What did I say, right? You might also want to talk about marketing. So get a marketer that speaks board of directors, right? And most marketers don't, and that's a scary. And you've heard, you've heard those kinds of stories here. So have a great day. Like and share. Hit the repost button. It's just as easy as like, but it counts 20 times more. And thank you for watching. I really appreciate it. I noticed LinkedIn told me that my 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 uh, impressions are up 1,600% year over year. What does that mean? I don't know. But if you do, feel free to join in in the comments. I always watch the chat. Bye-bye.